Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Rob Korzenik, founder and CEO of Zing Cover. Rob, welcome to the show. Great to be on the show, Simeon. So you're here today to talk about how customer advocacy plays a central role in driving sustainable growth for Zing. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Yeah, sure. So as you as you kindly said, I'm, I'm CEO and, and co-founder of, of Zing. And um, at Zing, we are an embedded insurer for, for luxury goods. What that means in, in, in real terms is we're making it hopefully really easy, really accessible, really transparent um, insurance for, for, for people's more important possessions, those kind of passion possessions that they're really important to you. You've got really great brand affinity around and you just want to know that they're properly protected. Fabulous. Uh, now, as tradition on the show, to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where, as a consumer, you experienced customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer as well. Yeah, I think um, the difficulty often with, with customer experiences, you know, it's a human trait that we remember the, the, the not so good experiences um, over, over the good ones. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, that's a problem, problem for all businesses. I guess, um, I guess my thoughts go back to, um, about this time last year, I was, I was moving house and, um, you know, everyone knows that that's, um, an incredibly stressful time and you've got, you know, nowadays you've got all kinds of things on order all at the same time. Um, from from a dozen or so um, different uh, e-commerce retailers that you've been to, and things don't always go right. And you know, I had a whole bunch of things that didn't go right and turned into hassles. And I had one where it didn't go right. The wrong thing was delivered, but the way they dealt with it was just brilliant. You know, I had the email address of a person with a name that. I could be in contact with, that I could be confident that they were putting it right. That person was checking in on me and whether things had gone according to plan without me keep having to reach out to her and, and certainly not sitting on uh, in, in phone queues to speak to different people in a call center. I think, you know, any, with any business, things can't go right 100% of the time. Um, but if you really focus on putting things right, you can actually turn that into a really positive customer experience and a really memorable one. And um, yeah, that's, that's the one that stands out for me. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there is a um, there's an opportunity, as you said, if things aren't going right, to actually turn that into a way of creating more of a connection with your customers. We actually had a guest on the show a while ago who was a, um, a CX consultant, and he was working with a business who were making it their mission to turn their complaint process into something fun. 
which obviously sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but the, the point is there. It's, as you said, complaints are going to happen. It's just inevitable, unfortunately. But you can use that as an opportunity to kind of turn around your customers and then build stronger relationships off the back of it as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great example you just shared. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's a chance for companies to shine um, because, you know, let's face it, when things go right, often it's creating an unmemorable customer experience that, that has been the key to it, to, it, to it going right. You know, taking that example of, of me ordering something when I'd moved into, into, into a new home, you know, you go on a website, you order it, it arrives when it's supposed to arrive and it is what you want. That's a great customer outcome, but actually it's not very memorable um, in a way. If, if something goes wrong as a business, that's your chance to show that you can really be agile and you can really adapt and, um, and, and you can make that customer feel good and important. And obviously that has some resonance for insurance where we're dealing with claims, which isn't a situation that anyone wants to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just on that note now, if we, if we sort of get into the episode in full, I'd love if you could um, just start by sharing the story of how you founded Zing Cover, um, you know, what inspired it and, and essentially what's kind of brought you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my background prior to Zing was working in the insurance industry for traditional insurance businesses. And, you know, we all take pride in what we do as a job. And we will take, take pride, hopefully, in delivering it well and making sure that that feeds into how our companies perform and serve our customers. But let's face it, in, in insurance generally often doesn't have the best reputation. And, you know, when you're at that, you know, dinner party and conversation turns to, you know, what do you do for a living? Um, it's not often, you know, a great conversation piece saying, well, I work in insurance. You know, you don't have a rally of that's fascinating or that's great or I had a brilliant experience with insurance. And that, in a way, is part of the challenge we bring into, into Zing of how do we turn all of those negative perceptions around and create something that has the, you know, the ability to, to really impress people and to think, God, this isn't what I thought of insurance. This doesn't um, fit with my stereotype of, of what insurance is. And, um, and for us, that was, let's look at our, our customer. If we're in the business of insuring important possessions for our customers, our customers are buying those things from retailers where they're making a really intentional choice of retailer and making a really considered choice of brand and product. They've put thought into it and it's something that they, they're excited to acquire and excited to own. And our mission is to respect that, first of all, throughout the, 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 their insurance policy and when it comes to a claim and also not to, not to sully that, so to take the hassle out of it. Because let's face it, when you've bought something that you're really excited about, really passionate about, what you don't want to do is then think, oh, I've got to go home and find out where my insurance policy documents are and call it. You know, it just deflates that whole situation. So we want to, we, we, we set ourselves out on a mission of let's work with those retailers, let's work with those brands and create something that enhances rather than detracts from that, that customer experience. 
Yeah, really interesting. And you've got a fascinating business model as well. Um, very unique. You were explaining it to me the other day. Um, and with that, um, I'd love you to maybe kind of explain that in a little bit more detail. And then subsequently, why customer love and customer advocacy is just so important to Zing and, and why that kind of feeds into the way that you operate as a business. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as I say, we're in, we're in the business of ensuring um, things that are, are are really important to our customers are really considered purchases. So that could be, you know, that special watch that you buy for a special occasion. It could be an engagement ring, something really important like that, or you know that you know handbag that you've been sort of you know you know looking at, yearning after, wanting to, wanting to get. And as I say, we work with those retailers and brands. We work with them on all aspects of our customer experience, formulating our products and the delivery of those products. So customers are likely to first come into contact with us when they're shopping for one of these goods. And, and Zing is available with really tailored product, available with no hassle, no forms, no phone calls um, at the point of sale so that they can go on out of that um, out of that shop if it's bricks and mortar or check out if they're on the e-commerce site and know that that product is properly covered that we will work with that originating retailer to keep their insurance up to date throughout its life cycle and if it does come to a claim we'll have made sure it's relevant it's up to date and they can go back to that same retailer and get you know a similar equivalent product um, and, and, and have a renewed shopping experience with that retailer of their choice. Yeah, interesting. And when you were talking to me about this the other day, you were explaining that essentially advocacy is just paramount to how you grow as a business. It really is all about word of mouth and generating good experiences. So people are recommending you to other people, right? Yeah, it's absolutely key for us. And it's, it's key in a number of ways. Um, it's key on that, that that first bit that I talked about that, you know, we have to be realistic that, that insurance is not a passion purchase. Um, it's something that people feel that has to be done. It's a sensible thing to do. It's often seen as, frankly, a bit of a hassle. So how do we turn that around? And at the very minimum, take that hassle out of it, but aspire to make it more of a positive thing and associated with the positivity of the, that purchase and that, that ownership of that, that object. It, it's also critical to, to our business model because um, we're an unusual insurance business model in that we only take our customers by referral from our, um, the brands and retailers with whom we work. We call them partners. Um, and... So no one can just come to our website and say, I want to buy insurance for this or that possession. They have to come to us from one of those partner businesses. Now, if we were to deliver poor customer outcomes, we wouldn't have a, have a business very much longer because those, those retailers, those brands would not want to associate with an insurer that, that gave their customers poor customer outcomes. Um, it would just come to an end. So it's, it's, you know, we aspire to, to deliver really a really positive customer experience and really positive customer outcomes. But we also set ourselves a high bar that if we don't reach that high bar, it's actually really, really business critical to us um, from a reputational aspect. 
Interesting. And I'd like to kind of maybe get some ideas of um, how you're going above and beyond to delight your customers to ensure that you are getting that ongoing advocacy and, and referral. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 it, and it comes into all aspects of what we do. So every customer communication, every product, every email, every user experience, you know, we, we have to test it and test it and test it because we're in the business. And to us, we live and breathe it every day. But we have to remember that that's not the case for our customers or even our partners. So it, it's constantly revisiting it from a, from a sort of third-party perspective to think, is this clear? Does this make sense? Um, does this do what the average sort of customer for us um, wants it to do? Beyond that, it's back to that point about, you know, insurance should do what people expect insurance to do with a minimum of hassle. And so, again, that's what we aspire to. You know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, the, the analogy I used earlier on of, you know, in a way, it's less memorable when things go right. If you go on a website, you order something, it is what you ordered, and it's delivered okay. That's a really good customer experience. It's just not a very memorable one because everything's gone right. And in many ways, um, you know, we, we, we aspire to a similar thing with, with insurance. So, you know, let's take that example of, um, of someone buying an engagement ring. You know, insurance should not be the big thing on their mind. Um, I'm sure it's not the big thing on their mind when they're buying an engagement ring, but it shouldn't even feature as one of the big things on their mind. It should be something where it's so easy that like, right, that is ticked off now with a minimum of fuss, um, with a minimum of hassle. I've just got insurance for that um, ring, for the right value, with the sufficiently flexible terms and conditions that are going to cater to my lifestyle. And you know what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to promise that I can come back to that jeweler of choice and get that same product if the worst happens and I need to make a claim. Um, we then want to take it a stage further because you're going to hopefully that engagement ring for, for years to come and the insurance is going to protect it from years to come. And so how do you keep that insurance relevant so that when it comes to a claim, you get the best possible claims outcome? Well, you know, an obvious um, thing there is that the value of things change. Um, you know, we just look at the current environment, there's, um, there's inflation, which we all forgot for a while, um, which is back now. Um, there's complex supply chains. You know, if we're looking at the jewellery market, there's the price of precious metals, which is influenced by, you know, the price of gold or, or the availability or non-availability of, you know, diamonds that were, were mined in Russia and all of these things that impact upon the value of that one thing that's really important to me, which is that engagement ring. Now we can help to take the hassle out of that by using our partners' data, using their market expertise to periodically contact our customers and say, you know what, what you bought that um, ring for last year wouldn't be adequate for you to get that ring remade now. So we're going to suggest what we think you should, you should insure it for now. 
and we can automatically update that for you if you'd like to. And we can keep doing that through the life cycle so that when they get to the claim, they actually have an insurance product that's going to do what they think it should do, which is put them right, get them that, 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 that same ring again. Now, that seems like a really simple thing, but you compare that to a sort of normal household insurance policy where I insure that ring, I renew my policy each year without thinking about it. Or even if I move to another insurer, I probably just move the same details over. I can't be bothered going out getting um, someone to produce a valuation certificate and the expense and the hassle involved with that. I don't want to sit on the phone. You know, all of these are aspects that people don't want to deal with insurers about. They just want it to be done with them so they get the right outcome when it comes to a claim. So we're always thinking about before it gets to the point where they get in touch with us and said, I need to claim, what do we need to have kept doing through the time that they've been a customer with us to make sure that they're in the best possible position to get that smooth, seamless claims experience that, that people should expect from an insurance product? I think that's a fabulous example of customer love, actually. You know, you taking the time and effort to actually reevaluate re items that people have insured to ensure that it actually still makes sense. I think that's, that's, that's fabulous. Um, just to kind of get a sense of how these decisions are made at Zing, do you have a, a dedicated customer experience team that leads this charge? Is it kind of like a cross-functional thing? How does it sort of work at, at Zing? We, we very intentionally make it cross-functional um, because uh, we don't believe that you can silo customer experience in a single team or a single function um, within the business. It should really be a, a test of what we do in everything we deliver. So, you know, we're a technology business. Um, so we have um, a bunch of software engineers here and they could just sit there and produce code against a project scope that's been given to them to deliver a certain process. And, and maybe that would deliver a satisfactory outcome. But, but we believe that unless they're really bought into who are our customers, who are our partners, what are the experiences that we want to create? What are the experiences we want to avoid? And actually, you know, call upon them to think about this. So when you're producing your code, you know, come to other people in the business and say, I know you said you want it to work like this, but we think it could be, be, done, be done better if you did it a different way. Or you could avoid the possibility for a bad customer outcome if we do it this way. And, and that's, what, that's what we feel is really fundamental at Zing, is that, that, that collaborative approach of binding everyone into the customer experience and making it part of our values and, you know, and frankly, making it part of um, everyone's appraisals, everyone's incentives, that no matter what you do, whether you're back-end or customer-facing or coding or dealing with finance and operations, that, that you have to sit there and demonstrate how have I achieved better customer outcomes um, for our collective customers um, this year. 
I love the fact that you build that into appraisals as well, because I think it's one thing to sort of say it to people, but actually if it's built into their day to day and they know they're going to be measured against it, then it really does become part of their their ongoing role in their process. It's very easy as a company to set a prescribed set of company values and culture and to say, this is what we believe in. You believe in it, don't you? Um, (laughs) Actually, what you need to do is create... I believe, a culture where people are prompted to really explore their own role and what they do each day in terms of positive customer outcomes. And so, you know, to that appraisal point, it's not sufficient for someone to say, well, I'm not customer facing, you know, I'm back end doing this function or that function. So it's not really relevant to me. Actually, what we do is like, well, no, that it, it's it goes all the way through the chain of the company. So even though you not, may not have any direct interaction with customers or customer communications, think about how what you do goes up the chain and ends up impacting on our customers and think about how you can do things better or differently in your role such that after it filters up that chain, our customers, are, they're, they're getting better experiences. Rob, we've covered some brilliant ground today. Um, the last thing I wanted to cover, which I think is a really uh, pressing point for a lot of people listening to this podcast, is how do you sell customer experience, customer advocacy to your CFO, for example? Someone that's very numbers driven, you might not necessarily be easily able to measure the impact of um, of customer experience and customer advocacy. Um can you talk around how you would advise people to sell this uh, and the benefits of this to their CFO? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing I'd say on, on, on that is that, um, you know, when, when, when one looks at benefits, and particularly when one looks at customer benefits of a business um, and then the other stakeholders, everything should, you know, be two sides of the same coin. Um, that, you know, if we're producing something that's better for our margins as a business, how do we test that against, is that still producing better outcomes for our customers? And if there's any mismatch there, how do we tweak those so that, yes, we can produce better margins for our business and better results, whilst that is still promoting better customer outcomes? Um so, you know, you know, if it comes to, you know, looking at um, a CFO in, in an internal context within your own business, within our own business, it's, you know, it can be very simple metrics. Acquiring customers is the most expensive thing to do. Um, if you retain customers, it's generally showing that you've got good customer experience and good outcomes. So doing anything we can to keep our customer retention rate high is good for our margins because we've gone to all that effort to acquire a customer. Let's just make sure we hold on to as many of them as we can. So, so that's a good example of, you know, and a, and a, a pretty obvious example of how, you know, that's good for, for, for someone wearing a CFO hat and it's good for someone wearing a, a customer experience hat. Um, I suppose one of the things we have as a business at Zing is because we're working with 
third-party businesses, those partners I refer to, those retailers and brands through whom we acquire and then continue to service our customers. You know, we have the same dynamic there. We might be speaking to someone in in a sort of customer experience role in those businesses as well. And they're thinking, yeah, this is a great way to reduce friction around people making high value purchases because they've got that extra confidence of knowing that, uh, that, that the insurance isn't a problem. It's not a hassle. I can just get it. Um, they might think, yeah, actually adding Zing in is a great way for us to have better post-purchase engagement with our customers as well. Because, you know, if we take that simple revaluation example I used earlier, that's another meaningful touch point for our partners as well as for us. From a CFO perspective, though, um, again, they've got the same thing that they've spent a lot of time and resource to acquire those customers. We're looking to acquire kind of the same customers as them, but for a different product or a different service. So how do we um, create a collaboration that produces better outcomes for our customers? They're getting access to more relevant insurance really easily delivered. That insurance is being kept more relevant. We're actually diluting the customer acquisition costs, though, because we're working together to deliver two products that work well together um, to that same customer. Um, So you're diluting the acquisition cost. Take it through to the claim bit as well, which, of course, is fundamental to what we do in insurance. From a customer point of view, they don't want to be dealing with, um, you know, a household insurance claims call center that um, has been dealing with, you know, I don't know, a stained carpet one moment and then someone losing their engagement ring um, the next moment. Those are two very different scenarios, you know, both in terms of the product and the emotion involved. What they, what that kind of customer generally wants is, okay, you know, we've gone through the checks, your claims have been validated. Now we're going to put you back in contact with that jeweler you originally chose. We're going to work with them and with you to make sure you can get that ring remade and, and that this is almost becoming a renewed shopping experience for you rather than a claims experience. Great story from a customer experience um, point of view. From a CFO point of view, it's a repeat sale for that jeweler. So again, you're tying in, you know, benefit from a financial point of view and in terms of everyone's margins and, and better customer outcomes um, tied to the, the, the same process. So that, that, that's my advice. Just just look, look for those natural synergies between what makes commercial sense and, and, and what actually delivers better customer outcomes. Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Simeon. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.